morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with the... Double L team, Lyle and Lawson. The crew is back. Yes, finally. Some delays, some unforeseen um, circumstances, but we're, we're back. We're here. Here. Praise God. Praise the Lord. It, it's, it's, we were we were not sure when when this would be taking place, <laughs> but we got the confirmation yesterday afternoon that the Double L team would be back this morning. So Lawson, we are super excited to have you as a part of the show this morning. Yes. What are you What are you thankful for? Um, <laughs> to leave the house <laughs> after. So well, because basically I got COVID and yes. I got my diagnosis last Tuesday, even though I'd gotten back from summer camp on Sunday, and there was that two-day gap. So I was basically in quarantine for, like, nine, ten days, something like that. Yes. And, yeah, just being at home the whole time. Um, Staring at four walls. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, you know, taking the occasional work call and, and doing things as well. But then at the same time, it's just staring at four walls and sleeping and uh, dying for, for a lot of us. <laughs> We're wait. trying not to die. I want to talk about in my next session. I want to talk okay. about, I, right. I want to talk in my segment about the COVID experience and kind of the how positively I, different yeah, news section. That's right. Well, I want to kind of, I want to, I want to be a real journalist here. I want to give you guys a, you know, investigative breakdown of what took place. And, but no, I got to say what I am super grateful for is that during my time with COVID, I was so looked after not only by my family who are amazing, but by my church family as well. The oh, amount of cool. People who called me and texted me and showed up to my house with food and vitamins and hot and cold electric blankets and remedies and all kinds of things. Like, I was so looked after. So, praise God um, for my church family. That's uh, amazing. They blessed me so much. That's that's amazing. I, I Normally, I would sit here and be kind of... Um Joyful of your pain, but on this one, I'm actually been really sympathetic. I usually enjoy Lawson's pain, but not this That's time. Right. This one's pretty serious stuff. So I'm glad that you were looked after. Fantastic to have a good church family. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Here on the Breakfast Show, and of course, before we find out all about Lawson's COVID experience, which uh, I know that you are all just on the edges of the of your seats wanting to know about, we're going to have the first clue for our pentathlon quiz. So, Lawson, what have we got? All right, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you know the answer to our first one hundred point quiz question. Which I this is this is a very one hundred point question, guys. You guys are going to be right on this. All right, here we go for one hundred points. What shall the just live by? 0491-064-669 is the number to call. And if you know the answer, you can win for 100 points, a Faith FM bookmark and or bumper sticker and or get your points on the quiz board and or, well, and work your way through the quiz and try and sweep through it. But again, that question was, what shall the just live by? Okay. If you know the answer, give us a call or shoot us a text right now. Uh, Lawson. Yes. Positively different news. That's right. Okay, so it must be positively different news that you are here. Yeah. You survived COVID. In fact, we've got a text message. Um, let me just read it here. Welcome back, Lawson. Glad you survived it. God obviously loves you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. he does. But, you know, you know, the Bible says, um, whom the Lord loves, he rebukes and chastens. Okay. And I definitely experienced chastening in my COVID <laughs> yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. i got to say, like, so... 
for me, I, I know a fair few people who have gone through COVID asymptomatic, like completely. Yes. Um, I have some friends down in Melbourne who got it. They had like a small group gathering with like five people. Someone there, you know, had COVID and didn't know about it. One other person, they got COVID and the both of them quarantined for a week, but they didn't even feel anything. They were like, oh, whatever, and just kind of moved on. Even my little sister, she got it. My little sister's not a Christian, just like, you know, and she went to a New Year's Eve party and got COVID and... um her experience was like, yeah, she got like a little bit sick for like two days and then just got over it. Oh, wow. I got absolutely smashed. smashed. I was like very close to going to the hospital, but I just went, I just, you know, pushed through it. Um, did but, you did you go through the stage of, uh, of of being afraid that you would die? Um. Well, I went through the stage of just wanting to die, I guess. Okay, no, that was my second question was, did you go through the stage of being afraid you would not die? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, essentially, like, so I I got it, like, I started getting symptoms on the Sunday, which was like, you know, a sore Okay, so, so you, you you were up at summer camps. So I was up that's at right. summer camps. We were both at summer camps. So yeah. you were, I was there a couple of weeks before you. Yes. And we had COVID, COVID went through the summer camp, so we closed it down. Yeah. Um, then they had the second one. You went to the third one, right? I went to the third one, and um, we got to the end. I think uh, before the camp ended, there was a total of about, I think, three people who had gotten positively tested for, for COVID. Yeah, we had um, five on, like, the second day. The second day, right, <laughs> yeah. So, but those three people were like, you know, if a person gets COVID, then their whole cabin has to go home. But then everyone yes. in the cabin was tested, and, um, yeah, so there was a total of about three people. But then after it, so I was a part of the music team. I was running the music team. I was standing up the front singing and playing guitar. And five of the seven people in my music team, when we all got home and all tested, got like all had, had <laughs> the whole so, band got smashed. Um, and I got to say, like on that as well, we were being, you know, we weren't doing a a hill song. Like we were being really responsible in terms of, um, we we were running it like at church service. Like everyone was standing in place, social distancing, masks on, yes. like all those kinds yep. of things. Um, but yeah, it was just. I don't even think we got it from each other necessarily. Like we could have, but it could have also just been like from spending time with people like yes. because you're all just yeah, there in, right. in groups. But anyways, um, so we all got it. I got home on the Sunday and I had a sore throat um, that just progressively got worse along with all the other symptoms. And then by the Tuesday, oh, I did three rapid tests with symptoms and they were all negative. And I was like, no way. I have COVID. Like I have COVID. Like I can feel it. In my bones, like I can, I am so sick. And so then I went and got a PCR and it came back positive. And then by the time I got the PCR test on Tuesday, that's when I just got smashed. From Tuesday till like Saturday, I had like a 38, 39 fever. Ooh. Um, Ooh. That whole time. That whole time. Oh, that's brutal. Just gnarly. Um, I could barely eat my throat was so sore and this was this was the toughest part so i was like aching and painting all over and, and stuff like that but the by far the hardest part i think the part that i'm still kind of dealing with a little bit at the moment is the <laughs> as i as i'm about to explain it the coughing yes the coughing so basically if i laid down especially like in the beginning um like when it came on if i laid down for say an hour yes. my chest would get so congested that i'd have to get up and run to the bathroom and just cough my lungs up and it would kill. It hurt so bad. But then at the same time, I would cough so hard that then I would throw up 
as well. Oh, and it was just rough. like, and that was every night. Like I, I think each night I got progressively longer sleep, but for a few nights there, it was like, I was getting about three hours of sleep a night because then I would just get up and have to, have to cough. Um, but you know, yeah, I, in the end, I, I broke my fever. That was a big thing. And when I broke the fever, then from there, I've just progressively gotten better and come out of it. I can tell though, and from what I've told, when people get COVID and, and they're symptomatic, they're like, yeah, look, the fatigue lasts a couple months. The cough lasts at least a month. Um, and yep. so that's kind of what I'm looking forward to now. I'm legally... It'd be interesting to see how you go after radio today. I suspect you might just go home and crash. Well, I'm planning to go to work. Like, I'm planning okay. to go and, you know... He's younger than me. I, that's right. Well, <laughs> you know, there's 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 people to preach the gospel to. That, that's yeah, the work that I do. You know, there's people to reach in the uni campus. So I'm going to pace myself, obviously, but it's, it's going to be tough. Even just waking up this morning, I was like, I barely like I, I my alarm woke me up i think after a couple minutes like i'm just playing over and over and over again because it was hard to drag myself out of bed um another symptom that i've had which maybe you could classify as a good thing is that i have just had no appetite even still like i've barely been able to eat and since last sunday so what six seven oh eight nine days something like that i've lost like five and a half kilos yeah that's a, that's well you could look at that as a positive thing but it's, but also, it's the wrong way to lose it it's you don't yeah, because lose it, like as soon as if i get my appetite back then i'll just put it all back on so it doesn't really help but at the same time um yeah so i so guess you lost your sense of smell no the, i who made that up okay i did not <laughs> lose my sense of smell or my sense of taste and everyone that i've talked to has gotten covid didn't have that experience either, but maybe maybe it was more of a thing in like the original variant or in the Delta variant or something. But in terms of, I believe I got Omicron. See, I went to a wedding uh-huh. and I lost my sense of smell for like three days, and I'm like, maybe I've got COVID, and then it just all went away. And I'm like, I hope I had COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I did, <laughs> but yeah, sense of smell, sense of taste, that didn't happen to me. I'm, yeah, I was. I could taste and smell things. Yep. Unfortunately, yep. Uh, I, I, I maybe I would have liked to lose my sense of taste and smell for a couple of days, but, but um, yeah. Ultimately, now I've I've come out of it and I am legally not contagious. Uh, so I can go and back on air. Back on air. Back. So somebody's just texting through here to say so much for the rapid tests. The rapid engine, the rat tests. Yeah. That's a bit rough. You that did is, three of them. I did three of them, yeah. And, and I did negative. two different brands as well. So I did so I did one that I had, and then I did one at, from the camp nurse, mm-hmm. like up at camp. Um, the one that I did was like, the my one was like up the nose, and their one was a saliva one. So it was two different types as well, both negative. Then I came home and like, yeah, maybe you could say like 32 hours later, I took another one up the nose mm-hmm. and it again was negative and you're feeling rotten and ass. i'm like no i have covid like i'm like there's no way that if uh, like maybe i'm just incredibly sick with the flu but i've got all the symptoms so i've got covid and then yeah that's when i went and got a pcr and immediately it was like first girl's positive so yeah. so yeah such is life but hey look i can say like I'm out of it. I'm, I'm good to go. Like, <laughs> oh, to I'm, go. I'm, I'm, I'm praising God. So Praise positively man. different news this morning is that Lawson um, is alive. I've experienced it. <laughs> oh, wow. It's real. I went through it. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, I'm out of it now. 
See, I think the, it's just going to get better. Yeah, I, I think I think I think this is a really positive thing for you because you can sort of sit here and say, "Yeah, I've had COVID. You know, yeah. been there, done that, tick that box." While That's the rest right. of us sort of look down the gun barrel and is like, "Are we going to get it today? Are yeah. we going to get it tomorrow? <laughs> are we going to get it in a week's time? Are we yeah. going to get it? When are we going to get it?" At this because level, there's, there's of- this sort of this inevitability. Now that it's sort of um, out and everywhere, about and yeah, everywhere, and you know, I think the thing that we can be really thankful for in Australia is that um, you know we have not had any major outbreaks for two years, which mm. has given us two advantages. One, it's given the virus time to weaken, mm. and two, it's given the health system time to gear up. Yes, which of course a lot of other countries never had that. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Here on The Breakfast Show, let's go to our 200-point quiz question. Lawson, go for it. All right, 200 points. Here we go. On what day did the Holy Spirit descend on the apostles in the form of tongues of fire? Okay. On what day did that happen? 0491064669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. And for 200 points, you can win an issue of Science Magazine. But again, that question was, on what day did the Holy Spirit descend on the apostles in the form of tongues of fire? If you know the answer, number to call is 0491064669. Aaron texting through to say, so much for rats and so much for shots. <laughs> so I, I, I guess the, the question is, um, you know, and, and he continues on there to sort of ask the question, you know, um, how much of a difference have the shots made to symptoms? Yeah, I don't And know. it seems with these newer variants, probably not that much. <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, I didn't die, so maybe... It'd be interesting to talk to someone who had COVID <clears throat> before the shots, then had the shots, and then had COVID again, but then... But then you'd be like, you'd have a level of natural immunity. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to... I have, I have no baseline by which to judge it. Um, yeah. so. But I know so, I know someone from the states who's had every variant. They had like COVID, Delta, Omicron, like oh, like rough. literally as they've come out, they've just been collecting variants, dude. It's just like, <laughs> it's like so rough. Tick them all off as you go. Yeah, my father-in-law's had two of them. So wow. Um, and I think the first one he had was the really nasty one. Mm. But um, yeah, wow. Such is life. Anyways, yes, indeed. What's, what's okay. going on? Right, oh, so fatherhood. We're in. I about went it. down this rabbit hole yesterday looking at fatherhood. And uh, started with you know watching a TED, TED talk, Classic. and the and the importance of fatherhood because you know there's a very modern narrative that has been around for the last fifty years or so that you know if you look at nature often fathers will turn up uh, in nature and they will do the deed <coughs> and are never seen again. Yep. And so people look at that and they come at it from an evolutionary perspective. And if you come at it from an evolutionary perspective, they're like, well, you know, why do we need fathers apart mm. from just to do the deed? Mm. Uh, and so, you know, uh, the Bible says that, you know, parents should get married and have children and raise those children together as a family. That's, right. That's the, the biblical model. But there's there's nothing from evolution that would indicate that that is, you know, the ideal. Mm. In fact, evolution would indicate the opposite is the ideal. Mm. That for you to be a successful species, you're better off just raised by your mother. Mm. So this is some interesting uh, research on fatherhood. The initial research comes from the uh, CDC. Okay, so 90% of homeless people have no father, Mm. have no father in their life. Uh, 71% of high school dropouts, 63% of suicides, 85% of children with behaviour disorders, 80% of rapists, 75% of drug addicts had no father in their life. 
Wow. That's telling. You're not wrong, it's telling. <laughs> that that tells me that when God said, you know, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they shall be one and then goes on to, you know, outline, you know, children, honour your parents and, and, and outlines a biblical family, it says something very, very um, powerfully to me that God had it right when it came to human beings. He knows yeah, wow. how human beings work. Um, the research goes on to show that um, uh, children who have a father in their life have stronger cognitive development. They have elevated mental health. They have elevated physical health. They have they are better problem solvers. They are more confident. They are more <clears throat> curious, and they are more empathetic. Mm. And the challenges that we've got in our world right now is a pandemic of fatherlessness. So uh, there's 24 million fatherless children in the United States. That's 41% of children in the United States are growing up without a father. Uh, And this is caused by three issues. Mm -hmm. Number one is divorce. Okay. Okay, we, we get that, you know, it's a tragic thing when it happens. But And, you know, when it comes to divorce, there are many times when the kids are probably better off. Yeah, yeah, there's a necessity to it, yeah. Unfortunately, mm. um, and that's because of, you know, humanity. Mm. Then you've got um, uh, children that are born out of wedlock. Okay. And so, um, you know, this has become commonplace mm. where uh, women just decide, well, you know, I want to have a baby, but I don't want to be married. And so they mm. go and have a baby and, that, and, and, and children born out of wedlock. And also you have a lot of, you know, th- this also includes... Uh, children that are born to a family where the mother and father are cohabiting, mm-hmm. but they're not married. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come back and talk about cohabiting in just a moment. And, of course, in recent years, it's been driven by same-sex relationships. So when we legalised same-sex um, uh, marriages, what we did was create families that have the rights to have children, and that, of course, creates fatherless families. Mm-hmm. And so that has been a significant issue in recent times. And, of course, all three of those are against the biblical model. Mm. Um, Then we have, um, let me see, daughters. Daughters are 7% more likely to, sorry, 71% more likely to have teen pregnancies if they have no father. Yeah, that's 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 a big stat right there. Because who is the you know the male in that situation going to be scared of if they, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> if, they if they get the daughter pregnant? All right, ninety percent of arsonists never had a father. Wow, you know these are these are big stats. When it comes to a lot of the things you're sharing as well, though, like when it comes to like rape and arson and you know criminals and all this kind of stuff, like is is tied to a lot of self control issues. Like, yes, and it's yeah. It just seems like clear. Fathers have a role in teaching self control to yeah. their kids. You know, as the Bible says, "Don't spare the rod." And you know, I know for myself, the rod was not spared. <laughs> yeah, it was not spared for me either. <laughs> but Best it, thing that ever happened. But to it's me. like yeah, it's, because learning discipline, like in consequences from a father, knowing that there's like you know real consequences to your actions, it does give within you a sense of okay, there is wrong and right and there's also consequences and I need to show self-control to not break these certain morals or standards. Yes, absolutely. And I think that, you know, just from my anecdotal evidence, mothers are much less like, much more likely to spare the rod. Mm. 
And, you know, when it comes to that, I, I do want to say this, and, and that is that uh, when it comes to discipline, discipline can be both, can either be discipline or abuse. That's right. And whenever discipline is administered, when the parent has anger or Im- is feeling emotional in some way, then it's just abuse. Mm. Uh, and as a parent, what you're doing when you when you try and discipline while you are angry is you model to your children how to throw a tantrum mm. and how to be a child. When you control yourself and you get yourself under control and you're not angry and then you discipline, that is so incredibly powerful mm. because then you are modelling to your children consequences for actions and you are modelling to your children what self-control actually is. Yeah. So then, therefore, can we say, like, the big correlation here and the big causation is just a lack of self-control that comes from not having a father figure disciplining you? Generational self-control. Lack of self-control. Okay, so children children born in unmarried, and that is uh, cohabiting parents, are three times more likely to lose their father to separation than children who are born in... Uh, a family where the parents are married. That's like so obvious. Like hundred percent. Like there's no commitment. Yeah, that's right. You know, when you make that commitment and you go and stand <clears> at the <throat> altar or go to the courthouse, whatever it might Till be, till death do us part. Like make those promises, then you are, obviously those families are going to stay together more. And once again, it comes down to the biblical model. Mm. The Bible said, "Go get married." Mm. This is going to be good for society. There is nothing good for society in moving away from the biblical model of the biblical family. Mm. There is nothing good, and as this research brings out, there's a whole bunch of bad stuff. Mm. Okay, uh, this was interesting. Statistically, stepfathers have minimal impact. Okay. Now, this is not the case, though, when boys have a father-type relationship and then that has significant impact. So stepfathers that actually come into the family and they really take on that role and they be a father to those children mm. rather than just being the man who's sleeping with their mother, mm. they actually have pretty much you know, the same kind of impact as a real father would. Not, wow. not quite the same, but they have a significant impact. But the st- what the research is bringing out is that the majority of stepfathers are not actually um, bringing that... Um, Bringing that father relationship to the to the children, and so wow. if you're a stepfather, be a father to those kids. Finally, we talk about inmates in prison, and this varies between jurisdictions. Um, in some jurisdictions, seventy percent of inmates have had no father. Um, in one jurisdiction in the UK, they found that ninety six percent of inmates had no father, and in another jurisdiction, they found that ninety nine percent of inmates in that prison had no father in their life as a child growing up. Wow. Those stats say something incredibly powerful about fatherhood. We're going to listen to uh, Randy Travis right now with Raise Him Up. When I first met his mama, she was just 19. Couldn't say for certain who the father I have known him since he was a pup And I'm gonna raise him up If you never knew your daddy Like I never knew mine It feels like everybody knows your 
fatherless This boy may not be blood of my blood But I'm gonna raise him I'll provide for him Walk beside of him I am strong enough Cause it's time he knew What a son can do With a father's love Well, he could change the world You only have to look at Joseph couple thousand years ago When he held a newborn baby He named Jesus He said he may not be blood of my blood Still I'm gonna raise him I'll provide for him Walk beside of him I am strong enough I will show him too What a son can do With a father's love And he will change the world Thirty-three years later When the sun was in his grave Broken and abandoned By a world he came to save His real dad said he's mine Blood of my blood And I'm gonna raise him Walk beside of you I am strong enough I have seen from you What a son can do With a father's love One man changed the world And he can change your Gotta raise him up. You're listening to Randy Travis with Raise Him Up here on The Breakfast Show. A couple of uh, really good text messages coming through on that story on fatherhood. Um, this one says, There is also powerful research demonstrating how powerful fathers are to the spiritual outcomes of their children. And uh, that's I was going to actually talk about that if I had time, but maybe another day. Uh, then it can, an, another one here, it says, A message to single mums, don't despair, but do place powerful mentors in your kids' lives, especially mm. a few good men. Wow. And uh, a comment coming from producer Shell was the importance of men in the church mentoring mm. the children of the church, particularly 
those that are coming from single parent homes, you've got a role to play there. Step up and, you know, at the church that I'm going to at the moment, uh, the junior Sabbath school class has been taken over by uh, the pastor, the senior elder, and two other elders, the, like the leaders of the church. Mm. All men have stepped up to take over that class, which in the past has been, you know, that's been an area that's been dominated by women, but we've recognized that this is something that needs to uh, take place. Totally. And then uh, another one here, awesome song, how appropriate. Thanks, Producer Shell. Um, so we've got, uh, oh, I've got a whole bunch more here. But I just wanted to highlight those couple of text messages. We've got more text messages to, oh, and finally this one, the Father for the Fatherless. Go to him. He will never reject mm. you. His love is greater than any earthly father. Text message of the day. Hey, Amen. Right well, we there. have an interview with David Howe coming up, but before we get into it, we're going to have another clue for the quiz. So, for 300 points, whose bones did Moses take with him when the Israelites left Egypt? 0491 is the number to call if you know the answer. Uh, again, that question was, whose bones did Moses take with him when the Israelites left Egypt? And if you know the correct answer, you can win a pocket sermon or you can get your points on the board, continue to sweep your way through the quiz. But again, that number was 0491 Things on the phone this morning is David Haupt. David, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning, listeners. We're talking about emotional health, amongst other things. And David, as we were just chatting off air for a moment here before this segment started, he mentioned a really, really fascinating piece of research that uh, he was going to share. So, David, yeah, why don't you go ahead and share that with us because it is just um, quite fascinating. Lyle, Alan Shaw makes the following statement based on research. He says that the self-organization, in other words, how our sense of self is formed, he says, of the developing brain occurs in the context of a relationship with another self, another brain. Now, it's very clear what he's referring to. He's referring to uh, pre-birth within the mother's womb. Two brains are really having an impact on each other. He then continues, he says, that this primordial relational context can be growth facilitating or growth inhibiting. And so it imprints into the early development right brain either a resilience against or a vulnerability to later forming psychiatric disorders. This is scary. Mm. As, as, as a parent, bringing a child into the world, realizing that our own emotional stability or instability actually can have a major impact on our children's brain and their growth for their future. Okay, so if you're if you're pregnant and you are filled with you know with, with dark thoughts, with negative thoughts, that will imprint on the child. Let's imagine that a mother is under major stress while while pregnant. Her body releases the stress hormone cortisol. It will be equal in the unborn child's bloodstream. In the unborn child, it actually affects the growth of the brain neurons. Wow. Yeah. So if you've got, yeah. if you've got, a, if you've got a mother, say, for instance, who is in a uh, war zone or something like that, then the unborn child is going to be uh, placed under tremendous stress because the mother is under stress. Research that was done uh, and a discovery done about 10, 12 years ago, which today is 
uh, is, is called epigenetics, says that the way that I live, the choices that I make today not only will impact my children, not only my grandchildren, but even my great-grandchildren's lives. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really... Um... That should make you think twice about your choices. So this is to the third and fourth generation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That is where I'm heading. In other words, while science just discovered this the other day, Scripture has known about this for, for many, many years because the design of humanity knows how sin and the impact of sin is going to impact our lives. Mm. So, uh, you know, Exodus 20 verse, verse 5, that God will visit the iniquities of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation. But that is not where that text ends, because if that is where that text ends, there is no hope for us. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Before, it oh, continues. Yeah, 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 go ahead. Yep. Go ahead. It, it continues saying that it is of those that hate him, but show mercy to thousands that love him. And this is where hope can be generated. In other words, neuroplasticity. In other words, the ability of the brain to to reapply itself. Okay, so let me let me let, let me use a uh, a scenario. Let me put a scenario out here for a moment, if I can, um, and and. Monica, can I, can, I, can I use you as a guinea pig this yeah, morning? Yeah, go on. Go all right, on. right. So, so your grandfather, mm-hmm. who fought on the Russian front mm-hmm. um, for Germany, and obviously a very long and um, and, and and terrible battle. You, your, your father shared with us one time that I think he was the only survivor of his unit. Mm-hmm. Um, we would assume that he had, you know, a PTSD. fair chunk of PTSD. Yeah. Does that mean then, David, that Monica can actually inherit? the PTSD of her grandfather? No, not not post-traumatic stress disorder, but she can inherit a deficiency on how to deal with stress. That sounds Ooh, really so she, that's the, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Monica, you're doomed then. I guess no. So. <laughs> okay, so David. Not. So David, this is the other side of the story: is that we we can inherit we can inherit these kinds of things, but we're not doomed. That's the good news that you're going to share with us. Now. I'm not going to share. I'm not going to share the good news now. I, I want to just thicken this plot a little bit. More. Okay. All right. All right. Do so. Do so. Um, remember, we're busy in a series, and I, I'm working up to the good news. Um, the John Hopkins University did a fascinating study. They wanted to see what would be the predictor of which young people, they followed a group of young people, what would be the predictor of who would get cancer decades later in their life? They were doing a study on on, on young men. Cancer, in other words, major health issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they, they were doing a study on young men. And they discovered that the best predictor of who would develop major health problems was the closeness of the father-son relationship early in their life. You've got to be joking. Like a physical issue like cancer is related to an emotional issue of a relationship. Yes, let's thicken it wow, further. That's that's really thickening the point. I feel like I'm really doomed because my grandfather had PTSD and my grandma was an alcoholic. So does that mean like there's no hope for me, David? <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on. Because... These are better get better for me. <laughs> 
I, I want you to hang on to neuroplasticity. We'll talk later about that. Sure, so sure, sure, sure. Don't go away. All right, all yeah. right. We're going to stay there. We're going to stay there. Uh, because my that, grandfather was in Rabaul, and that was a pretty bad place too. So, uh, but anyway, keep going. The Harvard of Mastery, uh, sorry, the Harvard Mastery of Stress Study uh, focused also initially on the father-son relationship, and they found that 82% of participants who had a low warmth and closeness with their fathers had diagnosed diseases in midlife. That's this compared only to 50% of those who had a high warmth and closeness score with the mother. But then they continued their studies to look at the relationship with the mother, and they found that 91% of participants who had a low warmth with their mothers had developed major um, midlife health crisis. Wow. Um, when there was a lack of closeness between mum and dad and the child, it developed to 100% chance of developing major problems. That is just, that you have, you have, I am stunned. It tells you about the importance yeah. of family. It does. It says so much about, I, there's a million thoughts going through my head right now. So keep going, yeah. David. Keep going. I just want to keep going on this one. I'm just like sitting here with my mouth open. A young lady walks into my office. She's booked in. She sits down, burst out in tears. Next to her is a young man that is very clearly in love with her. Uh, you, you, you can just see it beaming from him. But she's weeping because she believes that she's a failure. She... Uh, has just graduated. The world has opened up in front of her. She can't see any of that. She only can see shame, hopelessness. I ask her to tell me, or, or rather to finish this sentence for me. Let's, let's call her Sandy. I said, Sandy is. And without even thinking, she says to me that Sandy is hopeless, mm. means nothing. Mm. I said, since when did that idea come into your brain? She said, since I was three weeks old. I don't know about the two of you, but I can't remember what happened in my brain three, when I was three weeks old. Mm. I said, tell, tell me about that incident that you're referring to. She said that uh, the neighbors saw the young mum and dad uh, coming home with this little bundle. They they just moved into the neighborhood and they they heard, the neighbors heard the baby cry from very early in the morning. By mid-morning, uh, the, the mothers in the neighborhood went up and thought maybe they need to help this young mum and they knocked on the doors, knocked on the, on, on the windows, but could raise no one on the inside where they could so clearly hear the baby crying by late afternoon they called the police the police smashed one of the windows got entrance into the house and found the little baby in the bassinet with a note stuck to a soiled baby grow that said I can't handle her I'm leaving at three months old the mother left and at 23, the mother still had not returned. Wow. She That's carries so the narrative, the narrative that she keeps on rehearsing in her brain 
that she was not worth it and that is why her mother had left. Mm. Her reasoning is that if I held worth and value, mums would have come back or have taken me with her. Mm. Now, I I helped her to discover her mum. I did some research, found where her mother was, met with her mother, negotiated. She connected with her mother. It was very clear that the mother had her own mental health issues. Mm, mm. But the distortion happens in the young lady's life that she carries the narrative of shame with her. In other words, mum left because she held no worth and value. Mm. Now, what's the outcome? Well, she she eventually, with therapy, realised that she has a distorted sense of self. Mm. That mother had an inability to care for her because of her own mental health issues. Her mother left because of her issues, not because of her daughter's issues. And it took a month, and yes, um, working with her on the area of neuroplasticity. So in other words, the question that I would like to ask our listeners is this. Who speaks my worth and my value? Is it, is it the, the parent that is struggling with their own psychopathological issues? Um, in other words, who are reflecting purely their own struggle to make sense of their own life. So Monica's grandfather who fought in the war uh, has an inability, uh, has a difficulty to deal with stress due to his post-traumatic stress. So whatever he will present to his family will in actual fact be his issues. has nothing to do with Monica. Right, Monica? I hope so. Exactly. But... It is so easy for us to accept that behavior as being reflective of who we are. In other words, that short-temperedness and sometimes even the, the need to numb that pain uh, with the anesthetic of alcohol, mm. which, by the way, doesn't bring healing. It actually brings further problems. Mm. So I want to switch quickly and, and just... And I'll come back to this. Neuroplasticity, the ability to change the way that I think is so important. We will spend one full session on, on, on that topic. Oh, I'm looking forward but to that one. Just very briefly, who speaks my worth and my value? What is, who is more stable to speak my identity? I would like to suggest to us this morning that there's only one such person and that is God. He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love and with loving kindness I have drawn you. Uh, for that young lady, God says, I will never leave nor forsake you. Second Timothy comes with a powerful uh, suggestion here to us. He says in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, he says, flee also, uh, also youthful lust. In other words, he gives three practical things to do. The first thing is for us, flee from those things that we so often want to make use of to numb our pain. But then he says, secondly, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. So first, flee our addictive behaviors that we use to numb. Secondly, he says, 
pursue righteousness. In other words, pursue a relationship with God. And then thirdly, he says, do it with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. In other words, surround yourself with people that will actually encourage you to derive your worth and your value out of the word of God, not out of the psychopathology of those around us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is what I would like to leave with with your listeners today. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's fantastic. David, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning. Really good advice advice right there. And if you are looking for a community to to surround yourself with, then give us a call. 1-800-324-843 and we will make that happen for you. And David, we look forward to joining you, uh, joining us again next week. But right now, we do need to move on the with the show. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.